Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Soundtrack Your Life. This is the podcast where we talk about movies and music and our personal connections to the films. Um, today we have some very special guests. This is uh, my first international podcast collaboration. So today we have Lily and Hannah from Society Owes Me, a Gen X podcast, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Music. Today we are going to talk about the 1995 Alan Moyle film, Empire Records. Lily and Hannah, welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. And uh, why are we talking about Empire Records today? Thanks for having us, Ryan. Yeah, hi, Ryan. Uh, well, we both love, love, love the movie. We've watched it hundreds of times between us, probably. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty Gen X, too. Very Gen X. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. This is our first international collaboration, and in fact, collaboration of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, stateside, it was a pretty big box office bomb. What, how, yeah. how did it do over, over in the UK? I don't think it made it to any movie theaters. I think that's right. Yeah, um, no, I watched it on video. It was a straight to video job. Yeah. Video, that's... not DVD, video. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. VHS. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I saw it till it was on cable. Yeah, I, I actually bought a an ex rental copy as a student because I was too poor to buy a new one. And it came in like the enormous box that you used to be able to get, you know, from Blockbuster that they used to put right at the front with the plastic covers. Yeah. Yeah. Very thick plastic cover on it. So the soundtrack did really well. Um, I assume that the soundtrack was important to you guys. Definitely. I stole it from my brother. Um, he bought it. I guess he had more money than me at the time, but um, yeah, we, we basically steal it from each other's home, uh, from each other's rooms continually. Yeah, we both had little brothers who stole our stuff. Yeah, we stole his. I did. Case. Yeah, I got Refreshing. my own back on this one. I remember being really surprised that the film did so poorly out here because the soundtrack I feel like was everywhere when it first came out. You know that Gin Blossom song I think reached number nine on the singles chart out here. Um, that Edwin Collins song blew up over here as well. You know, uh, what are some of the highlights for you guys with the soundtrack? Well, yeah, I think um, I think it was Variety that called the movie a soundtrack in search of a movie, which is probably fair. It was very front-loaded with the music. Uh, yeah, the movie, when you think about it, is a bit all over the place, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah, looking It's enjoyable back, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not got the strongest storyline, shall we say. No. No. Or character development. Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but I think that it, you know, I don't think it deserves the reputation of being like this terrible film that nobody watched. No, no, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, um, it's hitting some pretty hard topics um, and doing it in a kind of a, a, a kind of an easy breezy way to get in and out of it without being flippant, but you know, still kind of going there, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's totally made up for bombing. You know, it's become a cult classic. I think it's fair to say it's an absolute cult classic. And, you know, re-watching it recently, you just, uh, you 
look back on it with affection like you know totally. the whole thing it's just it's really nostalgic the cat you know and also the character the, the actors in it as well like you got you know Renee Zellweger you know they've, they've gone on to do some Absolutely. much bigger things and they were they were all pretty much unknowns then weren't they yeah and the big old 90s fashion oh yes yeah. subcategories of you know your, your music nerds and your um what's a nice way to say the easy girl and the good girl <laughs> and the art guy and the weird dude and you know and the it's rock just... guys and the punk guys yeah. and the goth girls every girl yeah. has a mini skirt and a midriff all the 90s stereotypes <laughs> are there in one record shop every one guy happy family. every guy has a, one of those deep v t-shirts yes you know? <laughs> amazing yeah i believe renee zellweger is referred to as a turbo slut in the film yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> I was trying to be all PC about it. <laughs> I think it's funny that this record store has Liv Tyler's character, who's like the valedictorian who's going to Harvard, but also works in a record store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, there, there are 24 usable hours in every day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a sloppy movie it's a goofy movie um i've never met anyone at a record store that wears a turtleneck like lucas does <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is a bit of a wild card throughout the whole thing and what happened to that guy um i think he was all so i'm i'm actually going to do an episode in a couple of weeks on dazed and confused and he's actually in that film too oh that was it yeah, yeah. He's, he's barely recognizable isn't he because he's got the, like long hair and the backwards cap and whatnot and he actually quotes a bit of days and confused does he or he, he mentions it as a bit of a nod to to the film isn't there also a sticker like oh yeah maybe a sticker yeah that sounds yeah. right he says have a nice days or something like that i think at some point yeah apparently he was going out with renee zellweger or they were living oh, together was or something oh, okay. yeah i think i read that like there's a whole life of Renee Zellweger before Jerry Maguire that like I don't understand <laughs> yeah. yeah I think she was very briefly in the beginning of uh, Reality Bites as well which is another fave of ours isn't it? far cry from Bridget Jones the big pants <laughs> <laughs> I nearly deleted that from my mind <laughs> I was nearly a disappointment <laughs> yeah you know, I feel like she went from like this movie to being like a proper adult like really quickly absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, I think Jerry Maguire probably did that for her. She was quite the um, the straight, straight man in that one. Because now if you're like, hey, there's this movie where Renee Zellweger was a turbo slut, everyone would, like, no one would believe you. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. We haven't even talked about any any of the music. I mean, I hadn't heard the Gin Blossoms before this soundtrack um, came into my life, definitely. I read that, like, the Gin Blossoms was a major piece of the puzzle for the soundtrack like the soundtrack was supposed to come on some other label but they really wanted the gin blossoms on the soundtrack so then it got shifted to their label like i didn't realize they had that much sway back in like the mid 90s yeah yeah there's some there's some sad history there as well with this track right i think there's just a sad history with that band in general right right you, you know i think they had to basically kick out a guy in the band who wrote most of the first album songs and he i think committed suicide while that album came out yeah yeah that's yeah doug hopkins i think yeah so you know this is like kind of pre-internet so like you only hear like whispers about this stuff and i just i kind of feel bad for them because it's this you know this rain cloud that kind of hovers over them whenever you 
talk about their music. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I read that uh, a documentarian had bought the rights to uh, his music and um, and his story for a biopic that was maybe going to star Ethan Hawke. Oh, wow. But it uh, it never really panned out for, for one reason or another. Oh, shame. And a really good movie. <laughs> so are you a big Jim Blossoms fan then, Ryan? Yeah, I really like that first album that they did. And then this song, um, I still really like. I think I read like a music writer on Twitter, like being really snarky about it. Like, oh, this is my favorite song that you randomly hear at like a Walgreens or a CVS. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's just a good song. Like, I think it's a very solid song. Yeah, I've got in my notes that Billboard said it was the closest thing to a perfect pop song to hit radio in recent memory. And Jesse Venezuela himself said that it was just saccharine enough. <laughs> Which I think is fair. But yeah, the ones I, I was never a massive Jim Blossom fan. I liked them. Um, they they kind of remind me of um, who's the band that does the the Friends theme tune? The Rembrandts. The they kind of remind me of them. Um, and who's the band that does? Do you remember that awful '90s British sitcom? <laughs> Game got on? No, no. We talked about this the <laughs> other day. Oh, anyway, there, there's three bands that I kind of get mixed up. But they're Jim, the Jim Blossoms, Rembrandts, and that other Game On band. Anyway, but yeah, the the the, the song that I did really like, that I remember buying at my local record store, Capitol Records on nice. Marlow High Street. Um, it had like a you know 50p bargain bucket, and um, I had Hey Jealousy, the single, which I think was off. Was that off New Miserable Experience? Was that yeah, the first? That's album? like the big hit off that album. I loved that. I loved that. But I yeah. think that was a lot earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was this album, this tribute album that came out called Big Star Small World, and it was a bunch of covers of Big Star songs, and the Gin Blossoms were on there, and it kind of helped me connect why I like the Gin Blossoms, because I'm a big big fan of Big Star, and there's a lot of great bands on that soundtrack, of that compilation, I mean. Big Star are the original purveyors of the Ballad of El Goodie. Yeah, Van Dando one, that right? yeah. Evan Dando featuring Liv Tyler. Yeah, that's right. She did backing vocals on that, didn't she? And I feel like a lot of the bands on the soundtrack, uh, at least some of the popular bands, I feel like they kind of fit in that, you know, power pop inspired by Big Star sort of category. Um, I think Better Than Ezra and Toad the Wet Sprocket kind of fit in there as well. Yeah, Toad the Wet Sprocket was a band that didn't really make it over here at all the only reason i knew i knew who they were because um i had mtv and they played um is it walk on the ocean they played that quite a lot and it's a beautiful song i don't know they were never really on my radar to be honest i know your husband really likes them but but he's american i find him a bit insipid sorry he oh no i think they're a great band um he did he wanted me to mention that he met glenn phillips after a gig once at the bar with his manager he's is very starstruck <laughs> you can mention that just not his name yeah that's right but i didn't know that they had their name um from a monty python skit oh really yeah and apparently it was like a spoof um dumb band name that literally no one would ever use it was that ridiculous oh it is that true was the idea and then uh, he was on the la freeway or something eric idol was uh one of monty python and and he heard their song on the radio and he heard the words rocking he's like he had to pull over. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> surprised. It's a terrible name for a band. It's an amazing Monty way to find Python, out, though. Right, isn't it? Yeah. Your, like, baby has given birth. <laughs> you didn't even know. But it doesn't, like, they, they sound nothing like someone who would watch Monty Python. I, like, the music doesn't... 
just doesn't the beauty. Fit. It just oh, don't get That's it. Very, very. They're a very serious and sappy band. Yeah, yeah. That that fits with the stuff my husband likes. <laughs> but yeah, he um, yeah, he was telling me that Crazy Life is about um, a big standoff and the murder of some FBI agents, which was definitely not something Leonard on Peltier our and the nineteen seventy five Pine Ridge shootout. I've got yeah. Wow. I I had no idea that Toad the Wet Sprocket had that depth. Yeah, well, you were right when you said they're serious and there's no funny <laughs> games there. <laughs> yeah, I was looking into that and then went down a bit of a rabbit hole and found out about other, like the Indigo, do you like the Indigo Girls? I love them for a period. And I've got here that they covered Buffy Samaries, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee um, on their 1995 live album, 1200 curfews and there's and u2's native song was reworked in vertigo on how to snuff an atomic bomb and rage against machines freedom the 1994 video ended with peltier in prison and loads of loads of music that's been inspired by uh leonard peltier including crazy life by Toad the west pocket right and so we there you go we didn't hear about any of it did we <laughs> we're so deprived in the uk you know yeah because when i hear rage against the machine i immediately think oh yeah that man towed the wet sprocket right about the same things yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair. and yet <laughs> oh and apparently malcolm mclaren's last words uh, were reportedly free len peltier wow nice. so there you go <laughs> sure that warmed the cockles of leonard's heart <laughs> but yeah going back to big star again they were never really on my radar but um find it interesting that um the same song was also covered by Vanessa Parody and Counting Crows. The Ballad of Al Gordo, that is. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I know they did that terrible Joni Mitchell cover. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was painful. But then I'm a big Joni Mitchell fan, so you can't really, you can't do that right in my eyes. What else have you got, Ryan? <laughs> uh, so let, let's talk about Edwin Collins. Okay, a girl like you. Yeah, that song was huge over here, and I had no idea who Edwin Collins was, and it doesn't feel like it's a song written in the 90s. It was massive here as well. It was number four in the UK. I remember it coming out. But I always, I, I remember it, um, it reminds me a lot of Nick Cave, and specifically Nick Cave's Red Right Hand. Can you, no, really. can you hear that at all? I, I always associate the two. Voice, I suppose. Maybe it's that. I don't know. He's, um, uh, so he's a Scot, and um, he was... He was the lead singer, I think, of um, Scottish band Orange Juice. Yeah, that's right. Back in the 80s. Yeah, I think I heard uh, that and I had no idea who Orange Juice was. Yeah, it's that, it's that track, uh, Rip It Up. It was very early 80s. It's it. really good. I'm not singing. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. It is a good track as well, but it's the only Orange Juice song I know. I've yeah, it's kind of new wavy, jangle, yeah. pop type thing. In fact, I would describe the soundtrack very much as... Jingle Jangle Pop. Gin Blossom's definitely Jangle Pop. There's a lot. Like, there's somebody. Cranberries, not so much. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Let's talk about the cranberries because the cranberries um, were pretty huge everywhere, I think. Hang on, though. Before we talk about cranberries, I just mentioned Edwin Collins. Apparently, Paul Cooker from the Sex Pistols, the drummer at the Sex Pistols, plays vibraphone on that track. Oh, really? What, though? A girl like you? Yeah. And I read that Iggy Pop was planning to cover it at some point, but then he ended up nixing the idea at the last minute. Yeah, I've got a note here about Iggy Pop. I've got Iggy Pop Tribute, and it became his biggest solo hit. Did I mean, is a girl like you in Iggy Pop Tribute? I don't know. I don't know. We research that better. It was kind of fitting into that 
weird 50s revival thing that was yeah. happening in the 90s because it kind of yeah poodle skirts and the he had the quiff as well didn't he big quiff and the brothel yeah. creepers and the long elvis kind of yeah jacket yeah 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 it's definitely that look yeah people were doing you know what it was swingers wasn't it as well swingers came out yeah was it the same year or the year before maybe it was 94 no, it's, no, it's around that time and yeah. then just everyone was taking swing dancing lessons and the whole yeah. 50s thing was happening yeah, that was a very dark time in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was his biggest hit though, wasn't it? Like, I don't know oh, yeah. any other Ed- Edwin Collins. I think it's a one and done situation. Spring to mind, no. With Edwin. But, you know, he's he's been around a long time. I heard that um, that punk band uh, Wire produced one of Orange Juice's albums. Oh, really? <laughs> so oh, wow. Cool. But yeah, the Cranberries, wow, I loved them for a good, good while. But Liar, I don't know, I find that an interesting choice for the soundtrack. I don't really know a lot about the song, what it's about. It's when Deborah's handing out the badges, isn't she? She's made her homemade badges and she's handing them all out to, yeah, to the yeah. staff, which is quite cute. And this is before Zombie, right? So this yeah. is before the Cranberries got like yeah. super huge. Yeah. But it's the sec- there's, a, there's another Cranberries song on the, on the, um, in the film that's not on the album. How? Do you remember that one? No, I don't. I I have to admit, I'm not a big Cranberries fan at all. I wouldn't say I am now, but there was a period where I loved, you know, Linger, Zombie, Dreams, Salvation, like the big ones. But, um, yeah, I haven't heard of half of those. <laughs> you must have heard Zombie. No, I did. Yeah. I, I did. I, I didn't. I'm, it still haunts my dreams, I think, you know. They, they definitely overplayed the Cranberries to the point of I cannot bear, honestly. You know, before Zombie came out, I thought the... Uh... I kind of felt like the Cranberries were kind of a jingle jangle pop band with like Linger and Dreams. Mm, yeah. Like for me, Zombie was like a huge like departure from what I knew of the Cranberries. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, much darker. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, they're the kind of like this easy listening pop band. And then all of a sudden she's, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Easy listening yeah. punk band. Yeah. She's bursting her eardrums. <laughs> yeah, like that. And that video is like super intense. Like she's like painted in gold and she's just like wailing yeah yeah i mean they, they um that is how i think of her actually it's just wailing <laughs> i mean Aww. r.i.p dolores i, yeah, I, I no, mean no disrespect that. whatsoever but yeah they were um they were the cause of a riot in 1995 oh yeah so when did empire records come out was it 95 or 96 95 anyway, okay so yeah there was a they, they put on a free concert i think in conjunction with um with a local washington or no no washington dc uh radio station somewhere in Washington, and um, <laughs> they'd, I think that they'd organized the organizers had had organized five police officers to be there just for security, and then ten thousand people showed up. So there was stage diving like way before it started, wow. and then the Cranberries came on and they managed to play one and a half songs, <laughs> um, and they had to stop it because it was just chaos. And Patty Dolores's guitar was stolen. Yeah, and I don't really think of the Cranberries as being a band that would, you know cause riots really but there you go no that's that is a surprise <laughs> well yeah. fun fact you know, you know they sort of disappeared for a bit and then they came back um, and in their sort of uh second um incarnation wrong word i think it was still the same band members but they were then managed by danny goldberg who was nirvana and kirk queen's manager oh I didn't oh know wow i had no idea 
So, yeah, I, I picked up on something running through this soundtrack, which is uh, something that we accidentally managed to wade into in a horrible sense is, is horrible deaths and uh, suicides. And at first we were saying, gosh, are we turning into the kind of deceased people podcast? But it's, it's like, you know, 30 years. So mm. I don't think we should be that shocked that, you know, people, they come and go. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously Dolores passed away at 46. In a bath um, in a London hotel. The Gin Blossoms original frontman shot himself, I believe. I think he was an alcoholic as well. There's an ACDC track, which is one of my favorites of theirs, actually. It's not on the soundtrack, unfortunately. If you want blood. Are you into that one, Ryan? Yeah, that's a really fun scene in the movie, too. Yeah. Like, it's the only scene in the... It's the only scene in the film where uh, Lucas looks like he enjoys music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before then, he just looks like a cranberries fan. <laughs> <laughs> Confined to the sofa. Right. Forever listening to zombie. Yeah. So, yeah, the I think the original ACDC singer, Bon Scott, I think he aspirated his own vomit. Oh, he was my an alcoholic. God. Then you've got that Jimi Hendrix track, which isn't Jimi Hendrix. I think it's the Dirt Clods, but it's, oh, it's a yeah. pretty close ripoff, actually. But obviously, Jimi. Also, I think, I think it was aspirated as vomit and also Bob Itchwitz. Well, thanks for this, Lily. You, you got some more. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping it light. <laughs> well, <laughs> where do we go? From You're welcome. <laughs> We can we can go to uh, talking about Liv Tyler being in a movie with her stepdad. Oh, how weird is that? Yeah, that's super creepy. <laughs> I heard that the the director and the producers didn't know that. Oh, really? At the time, and they found out lastly, which is yeah, he's a he's a character. Oh, Coyote Shivers. <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel for him as well. I think like he's got some cool work, but he's kind of never really gone anywhere, has he? I think he's ended up in jail a few times. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he's been done for stalking his exes. Oh, quite not prolifically. Cool. Including Liv Tyler's mum? Uh, I don't know about that. I've forgotten her name. It's Bevy something, isn't it? B.B. Uh, Buell. B.B. Buell. That's... Yeah, I was reading about B.B. Um, Buell, and apparently she was with Todd Rundgren at the time. And Steven Tyler got her pregnant. Yeah. And then she didn't want Steven Tyler to know that he had a kid because he was such a bad drug addict at the time. So he, she, she hid Liv Tyler from him for like nine oh, wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was, I think as well, Todd Rundgren may have been under the impression that it was his kid. Yeah. I think they broke up like a year after Liv Tyler was born. And I assume it's cause he found out it wasn't his. Yeah. Cause the baby came out like a mini <laughs> Steve Tyler. <laughs> Sadly, there was no denying the parentage on that kid. Did you guys enjoy Renee Zellweger's arc in the movie where she goes from turbo slut to, I just want to sing in a band? (laughs) Yeah, that jumped out at you, didn't it? She's amazing, I think, there on the roof, just singing her little heart out. She's a great Great. singer. And then she's like, oh, but she doesn't know it, does she? And then she's like, oh, I can sing. And then she carries on. Well, no, I think they know that she can sing, but she's too shy. Yeah. But it's like she surprises, she surprises herself. It's cute. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Coyote Shivers thought it was really lame that they changed the words. 
Oh, I didn't realize that changed the words for her bit. Yeah, oh. his is a bit raunchier. Okay. Oh, he should be happy they included his music on the soundtrack since apparently he's only there because he's Liv Tyler's stepdad. Yeah, he really, um, he really rails against that and says that's absolutely not true. And he got the job completely independently because they loved his song Sugar High and because it, it was so great. And but I think that might be just the kind of guy he is. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Well, no one wants to admit that they got the part through nepotism. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a. It's a pretty big coincidence. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Leave it there. You know, when he first shows up on screen, my first thought was, hey, that guy should be Jughead in the Archies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a very strange looking guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's really odd. Because the hair kind of looks like someone playing the role of a yeah. metally rocker guy. Yeah. Definitely. I know what you mean. Like the name Coyote Shivers like fits him. Absolutely. Is it his name? Is it a stage name? It's something Shivers, isn't it? Francis? Yeah, I think it's Francis. Okay. You can see why I changed yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the stage name thing makes sense there. <laughs> and he's not cool enough to be Black Francis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's another family affair, isn't there, with Ethan Embry? He's got his brother and sister both in the film. Does he? I didn't yeah. know that. So his brother is uh, in a mosh pit scene and his sister is one of the, like, she asked for an autograph. Um, yeah. Do you know why he like changed his name? Because that was super confusing. Oh, wasn't it in tribute to, like, his granddad or something, I think? It's really unusual, though, for a, a, a working actor. Yeah. To have been in, because wasn't he in She's All That? Like, under his old name. What was the original? Ethan Randall, I think. Ethan Randall, that's it. And yeah. then to just change it kind of. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't like you're sound like work. a very, it sounds like sweet. Like I think he did it for sweet reasons. Can't remember exactly what it was, but it doesn't seem particularly sort of savvy career-wise. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of catchy, you know, Ethan Embry. Definitely. It's a lot, it's yeah, a lot more catchy really... than Ethan Randall. <laughs> yeah, it's just that he'd already kind of made his name. I, I feel like the Coppolas do it all the time. Yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> and you know, you know the uh, the elephant, the, the 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 purple crushed velvet elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned yet. It is a crime that there is no uh, Rex Manning on this soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and and the fact that they there's no information about who wrote that song. Mm. I'd really love to know who wrote that song for Gosh, yeah, for Rex, Rex Manning. Yeah, I mean, what a just an absolutely perfect comedy character and he does it so well yeah um, he's very good maxwell caulfield i don't know if you remember him he was in 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 the uk we called it dynasty i think you call it dynasty, dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to call it dysentery oh <laughs> <laughs> my mom loved it that and dallas i loved it he was my favorite <laughs> you watched, it was on too late but it was at nine o'clock i was in bed by that but of course you are you are right. I'm a, I'm a than fraction older than you. <laughs> and it was my special treat. My brother, my little brother was asleep. I was allowed to sneak downstairs and watch it. That's it. He said this is my treat. I'd get to stay up for that. I love the fact that they just needed like a 30 second clip for that music video, but like they just had too much fun. So they just made a whole music video for that Rex yeah, Manning it's amazing, song. Isn't it? And it, you know, the scary thing is, it looks 100% like something you would have seen yeah. on VH1. You know? Right. Or maybe the country channel, to be fair. And I love country music. I am not dissing country music. But 
the outfits are more country. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Unless you're Prince, you can't really rock a blouse like that. As like an um, yeah, it's yeah. a very strong influence on Rex Manning, isn't it? Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a Rex Extravaganza every year on Rex Manning Day, which is apparently it the day it? Kurt Cobain died. Oh, she was a big fan, so she wrote it in that Rex Manning Day would be Kurt Cobain's. Oh, that was deliberate. Oh, yes, that oh, right. was. Yeah. There you go with your rock and roll deaths again. Thankfully, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So there's a Rex extravaganza every year. And uh, apparently this year um, they did it uh, when a bunch of the actors all got on and were doing like an unofficial viewing party, basically. And they then they got on to a Zoom thing and they were all, a whole bunch of them were there and stuff. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're into it. It's nice. Is it like the Ridgemont Higher? They did like a sort of meet through thing. I don't know if they did that. They should definitely. They do should. That. Yeah. What um, was it? Twenty. Well, uh, can't do the maths. Yeah, it's twenty-five <laughs> years. Twenty-five. Yeah. Last year was it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. It was yeah, a big one. Extra big celebration. And the lady who wrote it, I want to say Harold Carol, Heikinen. I recently found out that she also wrote the thing called Love with River Phoenix oh. from '93. If you've seen that, oh, love that movie. She's amazing. Hey, pretty good to go from working at Tower Records to writing a couple screenplays, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. And she worked at Tower and she based a whole bunch of characters, didn't you? Apparently they're making a musical. I heard that, but <laughs> it was supposed to be released this year. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I doubt that's happened. But yeah, I wonder where that's gone because it was announced a couple of years ago. Yeah, that would be awesome. Ooh, day trip. Would it? <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I'd see it. I'd really? definitely go see it. Oh, musicals aren't really my thing. No? No. Even no. an Empire Records musical? I literally can't think of any musical that I like. Oh, Lily. Sorry. <laughs> I just admitted to liking country music, though. It's not enough for you. <laughs> I don't like country music. Oh. I do like musicals. How do you feel about musicals, Ryan? How do you feel about Empire Records musical? I mean, I'd be interested in seeing it as long as they keep the gin blossom song and the big star song in there <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting <laughs> like i'm not the biggest i'm not the biggest musical fan um i like you know some of the classics like sound of music singing in the rain so i don't know i mean i i think if it had i don't know i think if the reviews were good i'd be interested in checking out i mean i i went to a yoshimi battles the pink robots musical in san oh, yeah. diego <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah so I guess I would have to give this one a shot since I gave the Flaming Lips a shot for a musical. <laughs> right, but they, there's a lot, there's a lot of theatricality there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got like, I don't know, if like the people who put Hedwig together put Empire Records together, I'd probably go see it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be scared that like the queue to get in would look a little bit like the Rex Manning queue. <laughs> You know? No, it would just <laughs> look like a bunch of 90s throwbacks like us. <laughs> That's what I meant. Huh? It'll be flanneled up. It would just be a Rex line full Manning. of people in turtlenecks like Lucas. Yeah, true. But oh my God, so Rex Manning, you know, like he he's like the old guy, right? But he's significantly younger than us. Is he? Yeah, I think he's like, tell me that. he was supposed to be in his 30s. Yeah. So we are now older than Rex Manning. That is a horrible thought. I thought he was supposed to be much older. Like, I've, I kind of felt like he was uh, based off like David Cassidy or something, somebody like that. 
Yeah, it looks like him. No, but I'm pretty sure Maxwell Caulfield was like th- mid 30s. Yeah, he was born in 59. So I think he was 35 when the movie came out. There you go. They sort of like chicken. They put quite a lot of face makeup on him and he had those weird white lips, didn't he? Yeah, he was orange. That was weird. Yes, yes. He's like he'd just like, been skiing or something. Yeah, like pastel lip gloss. Yeah. Oh, another one that didn't make it on the soundtrack that I really loved was the Throwing Muses tracks, Snake Face. I thought it was so good that I bought their album to hear it because it wasn't on the soundtrack. And it turns out that that's really the only track I like, what's, which I'm devastated. What's going on in the film when that's on? I don't remember now. I think it was the Liv Tyler bit with her and Rex Manning. Oh, after when she's preparing the stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm giving Rex as yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching the film a couple of weeks ago with my wife and she didn't, she didn't know that Guar was a real band. Yeah, you would, you'd be, you know, it's fair enough that she was not aware of that. They look pretty crazy. <laughs> if they're not your cup of tea, then you, yeah. It's amazing that they did exist, actually, in hindsight. <laughs> and that they agreed to be in this movie. Well, yeah, I guess they heard a movie and thought, why, why not? But the only reason I know that they were a band is because they were on Jerry Springer once, I think. Really? Yeah. Why were they on Jerry Springer? You know, I love metal bands and... Get over it, family, or whatever. Oh I don't God, know. That's so, it. speaking of musicals, though, the Jerry Springer musical, yeah. excellent musical, it's all coming together. <laughs> so good. <laughs> everything, yeah, everything connects. Just like, oh, spider gram for this, Ryan. <laughs> we love to make everything connect and make a big spider gram of it. It's our. I, I forgot the Jerry Springer musical actually existed until you just mentioned it. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Yeah, you went to see it. Yeah. Oh, my days. Yeah, it's at Leicester Square. Wow. Yeah. Screw watching Hamilton again. I got to watch the Jerry Springer musical. <laughs> so, um, Free by the Martinis. Did you know how they came about? I know that, uh, I know Joey Santiago and Dave Lovering from the Pixies are in that band. I yeah. never knew they existed until this movie. Exactly. Yeah. They're unsigned and then they're on cooking vinyl. There's another cooking vinyl link as well. Or was it one of someone else on the soundtrack was cooking vinyl? I haven't got to that bit yet. But um, yeah, that's a nice little ditty. Enjoyed that, that one <laughs> as Deborah shaves her head. And apparently they came about because um, they were recommended by uh, the Hits magazine president, Karen Glauber, Glauber. I don't know, but she was the musical consultant for the film. As far as soundtracks go, there's a lot of outside input on the soundtrack. They have musical yeah. consultants, they have. Liv Tyler's stepdad. <laughs> and then like, you know, and then there was that whole commotion about like, we got to get the gin blossoms on the soundtrack. Like it, it seems like there's a lot more going on with the soundtrack than like the normal movie soundtrack. Yeah. Like maybe more attention was paid to the soundtrack than perhaps some of the story. I think as well, you can't really blame whoever wrote it because it gets written and, and then they move stuff around and they take bits out, like they film it, but then it doesn't make it to the final cut. And some bits are left in and you kind of don't know why they're there necessarily or... Well, I think a lot of that had to do with it was supposed to originally be set over two days, apparently. And then they decided to right. make it just yeah. over one day. It, it's like, because they wear the same clothes the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which, you know, how... I don't know. Because the editing must have been quite a joke. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Yeah, I don't see that movie working as a two-day thing. Yeah, it would have been completely different, wouldn't it? 
Like, I don't think there's that urgency to get $9,000. No. <laughs> like, I think it's a lot easier if you had like two days to scrounge up $9,000 than 24 hours. Yeah, Joe would have definitely killed them all by then. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of stuff to happen in, in 24 hours, isn't it? It is. Lose all the money, shoplifter. Oh, I love the shoplifter. Warren. <laughs> Warren. Warren. But you actually, you never find out his real name, do you? No. No, he says it's Warren Beatty, right? Warren Beatty. Yeah. <laughs> that kid is so perfect. He always plays like a little shit. Yeah. Yep. I was actually about to say little shit as well. Like that is the perfect description <laughs> of him. He's, he's literally made a career of it. But man, in 1995, to bring to to show up in a record store with a gun, kind of jarring. Yeah, yeah, and he gets his musical taste slammed as well for <laughs> rap, rap, metal, rap. Whitney Houston, <laughs> wasn't it for his mom? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure it is. <laughs> oh, we've watched this movie too many times. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that the movie's a little snarky about his musical taste and then they're pretty it gets pretty homophobic about rex manning yeah yeah there's a couple of controversial lines yeah there is but i have to say i love warren's laugh in it you know his hysterical kind of busting out laughing always cracks me up as well yeah my husband laughs a bit like that (laughs) (laughs) that's so mean maniacal (laughs) i love watching him rock out to that acdc song yeah, yeah. Is he doing the devil hands? Or am I misremembering? Yeah, he's doing like the devil rock on thing. Yeah, you see? And he's dancing he by rap. himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. I've got I Don't Want to Live Today by the Ape Hangers. I really like that song, but I couldn't find out anything about the band. Do you know anything about them? I did find out that the Ape Hangers means it's those funny handlebars. Yeah, bikes. I didn't, I didn't know, that. know that. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, really? so I found that interesting in itself. I thought it would be sub- something sexual. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. The pigeon. The pigeon has woken up. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Um, okay, nobody panic. Um, okay, he's... Uh, we can see him. He's come out of the box. Uh, we, yeah, we rescued a pigeon off the street. I think he'd been mauled by a cat. A couple of hours ago, and uh, well, <laughs> he was just resting in a box, but he's quite calm. He's woken up now. He looks a bit concerned, and I'm a bit concerned. He can't fly. You can can he? he can't fly. Well, That's why we couldn't. rescued him. Yes, well, he couldn't before, but yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus. I know. Um, to use a movie line, I'm, I'm getting my slightly alarmed to take, here. take a photo <laughs> for Ryan. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, I'm. Your husband's going to kill us. He will um, if it starts flying around our, living, our dining room. Should we just um, oh, stay calm? I don't know. Should we try and get the lid back on the box? You feeling brave? <laughs> so so what, brave. what was the end game for rescuing the pigeon? Like, were you going to take him to a shelter? No, there's a, there's a wildlife rescue guy in the area. Flash and we were it. trying to get hold of him on the phone, but obviously it's, it's getting late here. And so we figured, you know... We, keep it safe from the foxes and whatnot overnight because it couldn't fly. So we put it in a shoebox with, uh, you know, some tea towels and stuff to keep it warm. But he, he's looking very alert right now. And uh, Hannah's creeping slowly towards him to try and get the lid back on. I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Hannah's very brave. 
This pigeon is super duper awake right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She put the, she put, she, she's just balanced the lid on top. I think we're going to be okay. Okay. Let's quickly resume, Anna. <laughs> Did you take a picture? Yeah. It came out a bit grainy because I didn't want to put the flash on and stuff. Okay. Well, we'll send you a picture, Ryan. <laughs> but you've never had that happen in a podcast day, Ryan. I would love to see that. What is wrong with these two? <laughs> Taking pigeons <laughs> up the street. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what we were thinking. Yes, really. we do know that they're vermin. Was but... this pre or post gin? <laughs> pre. It was sadly it was pre. <laughs> it was pre-recording our uh, well, Red Hot Chili Peppers episode. Hence, we named him Chadwick. Yeah, <laughs> we called him Chadwick. Chadwick Flea. Hopefully, he's not got fleas. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. Yeah, Bye, let's just jump back in just in case Chadwick does take to the sky. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Where were we? Um, uh, so I the ape hangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hannah likes that one. I think it's kind of similar to Ready, Said Go, the Mises, which I also really liked and also couldn't really find anything out about. No. But it's when Lucas is chasing Warren. Yeah. The teeth. Which is an epic chasing. But I think that's a great song. Yeah, it's, it's great. Really no, it's great. Um, I really like the... The, the track at the end that this is the day oh, that's not on the soundtrack is it no it's i think it's the last is it the credit song or just the very last song it must be the credits. yeah is it after they're talking about primus i don't know i can't remember but that was a weird one i only knew who they were because they had released an album and it had a great track which i loved called dogs of lust so i bought the single but then it turns out that it's just kind of this one guy and he just has people that become his band and, you know, since the 80s. Like Billy Corbin. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, really. Yeah, well, <laughs> less drama. Less drama. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really remember that. I, I do remember having this Bargain Bucket single on cassette that has like a black cover and the, the, with the white text, but I don't remember what the song was. Yeah, his lineup has previously included Johnny Marr, so that also fits in with our never-ending Spider-Man. It's <sighs> Johnny Marr. Yeah, but doesn't Johnny Marr play for everyone at some point? Yes, yeah, and and he's he's absolutely gold dust when it comes to doing Spider-Grams and trying to to link every kind of music of the '90s together, as is basically our goal on our podcast. <laughs> so he's a he's a diamond for that. Yeah, he's uh he's on the new Avalanches album. Is he? I just saw that that, oh, uh, just that out, came out. It? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but he is he's on a track with MGMT. Oh, fantastic! I love Avalanches. Yeah, you, you're going to be able to connect so much more now that he's connected to the Avalanches. Yeah, that's amazing. Because they sample like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really distracted by Chadwick over there. I can hear him scratching. No, he's poked his head out the side now. I can see his beak. Uh, anyway, um, oh yeah, so the cooking, the other cooking vinyl band is um, Cracker. So they've got a whole lot of trouble, haven't they? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. They, uh, they're the band in Clueless soundtrack. Is that right? They're as well. Yeah, they may well be. Yeah, they were around for quite a bit. They had, well, Low was their big one, wasn't it? And Kerosene, I think. Ryan, I know you did um, Clueless soundtrack too, didn't you? Cracker is on the Clueless soundtrack, which is weird because I kind of feel like they're an older band. Like, I don't think they're really marketed for, like, the teen crowd. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, kind of like the the. It's a bit of a weird one stuck in there. So maybe it was just somebody's favorite, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. Somebody in the been going that long though. Like they're like I think they formed in the 1990. They're not like a they haven't been going for years and years. Yeah, but they were from a different band called Camper Van Beethoven. Oh yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is one of the best names. For yeah, a band. I love it. Yeah, much better than Toad the Wet Sprocket. So I think that so I think they're kind of like semi-sonic where they came from another band. So even though they were a new band, they were like in their 30s already. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, didn't one of the guys join Counting Crows as well at some point? Oh really? Or oh, he's in it now. Don't know. Oh, I have yeah, no absolutely. idea about that. Another band on the clue soundtrack, Counting Crows. Yeah, yeah, there's oh, uh, great some, band. some gorgeous crossover yeah. again. <laughs> Uh, right, what else have we got? Oh, better than Ezra. This pigeon is staring at us. <laughs> yes. I can't see it. It's my angle. You didn't realize you were going to have a guest starring street pigeon. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm willing to roll with it. <laughs> or a flying rat, as they're known. <laughs> could have been worse. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're on the coast. It could have been a seagull, and Brighton seagulls. Oh, they're big. I mean, I've seen Mary Poppins, <laughs> so I feel like this is normal. <laughs> There's no chance you'd have gotten near a seagull. They are huge. They're the yeah. size of a small dog. Even baby ones, yeah. And Especially here, they're quite vicious. mutant, aren't they? Uh, so better than Ezra. Well, yeah, so that circle of friends. Oh, yeah, an interesting thing about where their name came from. So um, there are, the band are very cagey about where they got their name. So there are a couple of theories. One is that it comes from Hemingway's um, memoir, A Memorable Feast, where he talks about um, something uh, a noise being no worse than other noises, certainly better than Ezra learning to play the bassoon. And then there's another theory that they were in a Battle of the Bands thing and one of their competitors was a band called Ezra, so they just signed up as better than Ezra. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Wow. Um, and... I didn't know they were so petty. <laughs> I think my know actually might be a belligerent type. <laughs> I only know that their fans are called Ezra Lights, Lights. which is yeah. great. Wow, I, 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 so I like better than Ezra. I'm not not a huge fan, but um, I think their album Deluxe and the album after that, they're were pretty good. They had a couple good albums, had a good good run, but I didn't know that they had such a devoted fan base that they would be called Ezra Lights. <laughs> yeah, I think that's quite impressive. It's like um, what are Lady Gaga's fans called? I don't know. Like, yeah, I think they're like the, a joke. they the monsters or something like that? Her, I think oh, they're monsters. Monsters. Yeah, that's it. Little yeah. monsters. Yeah. I, yeah, I did hear that. And then Taylor Swift yeah, has Swifties. That? Sorry, what was that, Ryan? Taylor Swift has her fans called Swifties. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very post '90s thing, isn't it, to name your fans? So Beth and Ezra are a bit ahead of their time. I think. Pearl Jam has the Jamling. Oh, the Jamling. That's true. Yeah, but at least Pearl Jam is like a globally huge band. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but, you know, if you even if you take like a local band from anywhere, if they've been gigging for a fair while, they'll have a following. You know, well they've named it though. I mean, if they get to know each other, yes, definitely. I guess with the internet, I guess with the internet, you know, yeah, that, that happens more often. But you know, no one's confusing better than Ezra for like the Grateful Dead or anything like that. No, I think I seem to remember that they were quite a hard band to get albums for in the early 90s. Like I'd have to go into the city to the big kind of virgin megastore 
uh, to get imports. And they were always like three times the price as well. So you had to really want it. But of course, you never heard it before. When you say city, do you mean Brighton? Yeah, Brighton. London. Okay. Yeah. That was a long way back when you're 13. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. And you don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the Tower Records, it's like the highlight of half term was going to London for the day and then, you know, getting to oh, Tower yeah. Records. And yeah, really get it. Come on, buddy. Yeah, I I wouldn't pay triple the price for better than Ezra. Yeah, that was disgustingly expensive, yeah. which explains why we bought so many singles back in the day, I think. Because all our, our favorite bands, well, back in the early 90s, were probably American. Yeah, true. Yeah, I remember paying an arm and a leg for, uh, for, for Holes Pretty on the Inside. Tough times. Yeah. Tough times for, for girls who it. work in tea rooms mm. such as ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> But now I can't, I, I just think of my daughter and I think of better than Ezra now because uh, she's three and she's got her first boyfriend. <laughs> from nursery and he's called Ezra. So oh, right. I was about Ezra at the moment. And Circle of Friends brought this up today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I had I had a little bit on, um, on quotes. I think there's some really uh, nice quotes that are taken from songs um, in the movie. Okay. So I've got... Oh, yeah. So have a nice days. We already talked about days and confused, didn't we? But got, yeah. Yeah. Rory Cochran down is saying that. Why don't you all just fade away? <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's> <laughs> Rex's line. So nod to the who there, my generation. Oh, God. Another Lucas uh, in, in close to the beginning where he, uh, <laughs> he says so deadpan. I think he's looking at the camera, isn't he? The time to hesitate is through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, and then some of uh, some 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 of the characters' own one-liners are brilliant. The the what's it doing in Atlantic City in reference to the uh, the money recirculating? Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a favorite line, Ryan, from the movie? I think that was probably my favorite Ryan line. His whole trying to explain where the money was without <laughs> giving away that I just gambled it away in a game of craps. <laughs> After I already doubled the money, then I just doubled down and lost all the money. Like. Just the way that he kind of tiptoes around exactly what he did. Um, that whole conversation is pretty great. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, oh, but have you got the, he's the screw up. Oh, yeah. We're all losers or something. And then it, it, banana heads, do they figure in there somewhere? Or is that somewhere else? Yeah. That's, yeah, there's banana heads as an insult yeah. somewhere, which is brilliant. But I love Gina's Sinead Rebellion. Shock me, shock me, shock me with your deviant. <laughs> Yeah, as well, and then AJ's. I don't. I don't feel that I need to explain my art to you, Warren. As he's like yes. gluing coins to the floor. I think I put that on Instagram. Yes, didn't Johnny Whitworth? He did like it. <laughs> First famous like. <laughs> oh, I had one no, last thing to say about the movie. It's got nothing to do with the soundtrack, though. Is that okay? Yeah. You know, at the beginning, where Ethan Embry. Um, goes outside or he's setting up and he goes outside around the back and then there's a mural on the wall and he kind of kisses it. Yes. I always thought it was Madonna. I thought it was Madonna. It's but not. It's Glorious Glorious fan. Yeah. Yeah. I found that quite shocking. Yeah, because, yeah. Mm. She's got the crucifix and the yeah. hair and everything. Yeah, totally it's really Madonna. weird. It's vaguely music related. <laughs> Maybe not the soundtrack. But... But thanks for mentioning Madonna, Lily. I know. I mean, it's a movie full of weird musical references. Yes. Yeah. There's Buggles in there, isn't there as well? It's not on the actual soundtrack, but yeah, that's a... Oh, and also there. like the um, uh, yeah, Alice in Chains feature, not on the 
not in the movie or the soundtrack, but there's that massive poster that keeps um, that's like in shot a lot in the film. And then when they do the sale at the end, it's auctioned off or it's sold off. Remember, it's like the massive facelift poster, cardboard cutout. And I remember <clears throat> going into my local record shop, Capital Records in Marlow, and also our price, the chain shop in the next town, Maidenhead. And um, they'd have like the big display posters and stuff in the window. And if you went in and asked them to put your name and number on the back of it, they'd let you have them once they were done with them. So it might, I had like a den in our, in our, um, in our loft, in our attic. And um, yeah, it was full of, full of like old posters from, uh, from our price and Capitol Records. Alison Chains wasn't one of them, but <laughs> and the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, free posters. And they were like massive, like floor to ceiling ones. Wow. I see in the credits that there's a Daniel Johnston song in the movie. I don't know where that's in. I saw oh, that too. I don't know where that song shows up. No, I don't. We've only ever we've only ever talked about him on our podcast because he was he featured on the soundtrack to kids. Yeah, I was listening to an extended Empire Records playlist this morning and he was on it. But again, I don't know, I don't know what point in the movie. That is. Oh, the pigeon's moving again. <laughs> I'm getting major anxiety. Well, if you need to connect indie people and you're missing a link, Daniel Johnson's pretty good for that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. If we can only discover where he is in the movie. I feel like it would stick out, you know? Oh, I, I know how you can find out. I haven't listened to it all yet, but there is a podcast that goes through this movie minute by minute. But I discovered it recently. So, and there's a lot of episodes, obviously, because I don't know how many minutes there are of this movie, but they spend about 20 minutes, half an hour talking about each minute. Wow, that's, that's how you find that. It's good. It's a, it's a, a couple hell of, of an idea for a podcast. It's an Australian guy who's in a band and uh, a New Zealand uh, DJ, radio DJ. You carry on and I'll find it. <laughs> but yeah, it's called Empire Records Minute. Wow. Uh, Sarah Gandhi. And Chris Mack. So it's an Aussie one, did you say? Uh, it's a Kiwi one, actually. Oh. I guess we should have listened to that before we talked about the, the movie. Yeah, I discovered it last week. So I'm, I'm, on, I'm up to about minute 32 or something, I think. But yeah, it's good. It's good. I listened to it. So Coyote Shivers hasn't even shown up yet. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Uh, just one last random note I found is Debbie Mazar who plays, I think her name is Jane. Like she's yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah, Rex's manager. She was married to Paul Rubens for like six years in the 90s. Huh. Oh, who's that? Pee Wee Herman. Oh my gosh, yes. That is terrifying. My boys love Pee Wee Herman. Wow. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, I did not know that. I, I always relate her to Goodfellas. No, she's uh, the girlfriend. Yeah, she's one of the, the yeah. Coke. Yeah. She was in the singles too. Yes, she's the, yes. We talked about this, haven't we? She's the one in the. I can't remember the name of her character, but she wears you that amazing green jacket with the shoulder pads. Yeah, I can't remember her character in singles, but yeah, yeah, she's great in this actually. Yeah, yeah, the long-suffering really Rex yeah. manager. And then she just yeah, she doesn't have much. She doesn't have much of a role, but she's really like you. Really feel for her in the few minutes she's there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I used to, I used to work in magazines, and you know, we had to talk to the press people with the, you know, star and in inverted commas next to them. And just then, just watching them try to manage the nonsense coming out of the 
you know, quote unquote star's mouth was just agonizing. <laughs> you just felt so bad for them. Like, oh, you have to do this day in and day out. It's the worst. Yeah, I can only imagine. And then, you know, they make Rex Manning pretty insufferable. Yeah, he is. But <laughs> sadly, probably not that far off the mark, is it? Yeah, and I think that's one of the interesting things about this movie is I feel like it's a lot more accurate about the music industry than people wanted to believe in 1995. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. definitely. Like, clearly, that's not the first record story where he's had sex with an employee. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So thank you, Lily and Hannah, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. It's been so much fun. Uh, you guys can check out Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and I'm sure many more podcast platforms. Yeah, there's a few others knocking around in there. <laughs> uh, they're going through the alphabet A through X. That's right, X for Gen X. And they've got a holiday episode that you can also check out. You should check that out. I enjoy their podcast. I feel like I feel like our podcasts um, go really well hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, we love uh, we love tuning into yours anyway, Ryan. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Um, thank you again for coming on. Um, I hope that the pigeon doesn't wreck your house. <laughs> yeah, it seems to have settled down again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but thank you very much. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks, thank you. Too. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.